Hello, and welcome to Sober, Stories of Badgers Empowering Recovery. This is a podcast hosted by Wisconsin Voices for Recovery. Wisconsin Voices for Recovery is a peer-run movement that helps unite people in recovery, their families, professionals, and allies. As a diverse coalition of recovery advocates, we serve as a statewide network to link services and support to those in need. My name is Cindy Brzezinski, Director of Wisconsin Voices for Recovery, and joining me today are Dr. David Leanweber, Assistant Professor, and Kathleen Maher, Outreach Specialist, both from UW-Madison's Department of Family Medicine and Community Health and part of the PROTEA Group, which stands for Program for Research, Outreach, Therapeutics, and Education in the Addictions. Welcome to you both. We look forward to talking with you today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So to start, um, if you could tell me about yourself, um, whoever would like to start, including your professional background and current role. So my name's uh, David Lineweber. I'm uh, currently an assistant professor in the addiction medicine department at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, I'm currently board certified in addiction medicine and family medicine. Yeah, and I'm Kathleen Maher. Um, I'm an outreach, outreach specialist with Protea, um, and a large part of my role is to plan um, training and conferences, um, education for providers throughout the state of Wisconsin um, who are interested in treating patients with substance use disorders um, or that are already certified in addiction medicine um, and, and getting some continuing education um, in just connecting with people throughout the state and in different outreach events to reduce stigma and to um, kind of further our mission of, of helping people that are affected by substance use disorders throughout the state. Sophia, tell me a little bit about the Protea team. So what is Protea? Um, what kind of work do you do? So Protea, it stands for a Program for Research, Outreach, Therapeutics, and Education in the Addictions. It's a research and outreach program. The research side of the program includes treatment for and prevention of substance use disorders, substance misuse, and other related conditions to substance use. The research occurs at the University of Wisconsin as well as different collaborative efforts around the country. We also hold different trainings for healthcare providers interested in the treatment of substance use disorder. We hold biannual trainings currently. Um, they cover a wide range of topics from initiation of buprenorphine in the sublingual and extended release form, um, management of different conditions such as stimulant use disorder, alcohol use disorder. We cover motivational interviewing, safer use, and other topics. Uh, the goal of our trainings is to just get providers more comfortable in the treatment of substance use so that they can start treatments in their different areas of practice. I would just add that um, Proteo was really started by uh, Dr. Randy Brown um, at UW-Madison. Um, so he is kind of the overarching founder of Protea, and he is a huge specialist in, in the field of addictions and has really pioneered a lot of this like research to um, help people struggling with substance use disorders. And so just doing a lot of really cool research and, and cool things in the field of um, using psychedelics and, and, and psilocybin um, as a treatment for substance use disorders. Um, and he's also really passionate about, um, you know, training other providers throughout the state. And so we've, um, we do a lot of different outreach work. Um, we have a, a monthly webinar called uh, Project Echo, where we discuss cases and um, there's some like learning of, of 
presentations from experts in the field, um, and that's all virtual. Um, and so we just do a lot of different um, different work throughout the state, kind of with research and um, with with training providers and and working with community members um, and people in recovery. Great, great. And so you both mentioned that you hold the trainings uh, for providers, and you had mentioned a couple of them. So the uh, buprenorphine trainings and the uh, motivational interview and any other trainings that you focus on for providers, if you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. One of our big trainings that we just hosted is called um, our Substance Use Disorders Management Bootcamp, um, which was, um, like David said, um, to help providers get more comfortable um, in using medication uh, for opioid use disorders. But we've really expanded into um, alcohol use disorders, stimulant use, um, hearing from people that are actively like active in recovery um, at those conferences and, and connecting providers. It's it's really meant to be um, kind of a, a more informal and conversational training to give really give people actual like real life expertise from from people providers that do this type of work every day um, and uh, do this type of work a lot in um, primary care clinics. Um, because that's what really people have a lot of access to, especially in our rural areas. Um, and so, you know, while Madison and Milwaukee might have um, a lot of different like clinics and, you know, a lot of people have heard of methadone clinics, um, some of those resources are not there in our, in our rural areas. And so we're really trying to focus on um, family medicine, you know, family physicians, family medicine, primary care providers, and get them more comfortable in, in treating people that maybe are struggling with the, with the use disorder and how they can do that in, in you know, real life, real time in their clinics. Um, and so that's been really special to have because um, we get a great group of people that are very passionate about these trainings, about this work, and uh, really want to know more. So it's um, a really interesting conference uh, to host that we do over about two days. Um, some people, I think some of your audience might know that um, it's become, after the COVID pandemic, it's become a bit easier to um, for doctors to prescribe medications like buprenorphine. Um, and, and that trend has really continued. So we um, are trying to give providers, while, while some of the regulations have, have been um, lifted in these past years, past two years, um, we're trying to give them still the training and expertise so that they feel comfor comfortable and confident when they're treating their patients. Um, so that's been really special. And Dr. Lamb, are any more education that you can think of that we do? Yeah, so we actually, um, like Kathleen was saying, we're trying to reach out to the more rural communities where there's probably less access to care as we know, and just trying to get those providers more comfortable in those areas. So we also are working with part of the Wisconsin Rural Health and Substance Use Clinical Support Program. Um, so every third Monday of the month, we're actually holding a lunch and learn series for providers where we're going over some of the basics of substance use treatment to get providers more comfortable in the rural areas to be able to uh, treat substance use disorder. And we're also holding that biannual uh, provider training in more rural communities to try to have more outreach to those providers um, that may not be as comfortable treating substance use disorder. Great, great. Thank you. And I think you had mentioned also one of you of that there's a hotline that exists as well um, with this group. Um, if you could tell me a little bit about the hotline, such as um, what it's for, who can access it. 
Yeah, so there's a UW um, addiction consultation hotline. Um, providers who run the hotline are providers such as myself and other faculty through the addiction medicine department. The hotline supported through the Madison, Wisconsin area. And any provider can call, be it a primary care provider, any sort of mid-level provider, and anyone who has a question regarding substance use disorder, they can call the hotline and return the call within 15 minutes and give an informal recommendations over a phone based on the case that that provider has. What I think is really cool about our hotline too is that in like with the outreach and work that we're doing with Protea and, and Dr. Brown um, is that you know, we don't just offer kind of these one-off conferences or one-off trainings or um, a little, you know, webinar here or there. There's really kind of a full gamut of support that we can provide to, to people that are interested in this type of work. So, um, you know, people can attend our conferences or our longer trainings, but also if they're with a patient right then and they have, you know, a question or not sure how to, how to proceed, they can call the hotline and really get like help in real time for, for experts that have, have done this and have been doing this, um, for years. Um, and then also, you know, you can, people are welcome to attend like our project echo webinars that happen every month, or like David said, the lunch and learn webinar, um, to learn more and to kind of, to keep uh, current on like what's happening with, with use disorders and really like the changing, landscape of what what providers are seeing and what community members are facing um, and so I really appreciate that about kind of like the the team and the work that we've built that um, you know people can can access support in, in, in a community in a lot of different ways so I think that's helpful for for providers that um, you know maybe want to do this work but are kind of worried about going it alone and, and haven't treated patients with, with use disorders maybe in the past, um, that there's really like a thriving community out there that um, they can get involved in. That's amazing. Um, just to, the, the amount of trainings and consultation opportunities that you have um, with your group, that, that's really awesome. That's an important resource to have. Um, you had mentioned that um, you work with providers. You've also mentioned rural um, could you expand a little bit more on the communities that you do work with? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, really, it's kind of across the board. Um, we, you know, we're based, our team is based in Madison, and we do, um, of course, a lot of work in Madison, but um, we, uh, it's really important to us to reach providers um, all over and to kind of meet them where they at, uh, literally and, and figuratively. Um, in, in their journey to support patients. Um, and so uh, one of the, the newer grants we got, the RESIS grant that we call it, is really focusing on our rural communities because um, you know I think it's, it's pretty common knowledge at this point that our rural communities were hit really hard with the pandemic and lack of resources um, and just the increasing um, problems with use disorders, whether that be opioids or stimulant use. Um, and so we are trying to reach out to uh, providers definitely in, in, in less resourced areas. Um, so the last um, last tra big training we had, the, our boot camp conference was in um, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And so we all made the trek up to, to Western Wisconsin and got a lot of providers, even some from like Minnesota. Um, 
uh, Menominee Falls, uh, just different areas such as that. And, and so we're um, even thinking about going up to Green Bay and doing and doing more training, um, but really trying to reach, you know, places all across our state um, while focusing on, on primary care providers and um, people in family medicine um, and, and people that will, um, providers that will have the most reach and, and kind of impact in their communities. So we're always open for new locations if anyone has any good ideas, but we want to we want to go up to Door County and um, have some fun up there and see all the fun stuff. So that might be in the future. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I would say personally, I'm I'm mostly working in the Madison area, as that's where that's where I'm currently living and, and working. But I, we we go all over the state. I mean, I have calls from. From all over the state too during the week when I'm on the consultation line. So I, I would say we're kind of just practicing throughout the state of Wisconsin, really. That's great. That's great. In some ways too, I think like doing some more things virtual now and, um, you know, there's been more opportunities for telehealth and telemedicine, but um, kind of like holding, hosting some of our trainings um, uh, virtually and, and our Project Echo with, that meets once a month has always been um, a web-based meeting, um, but, you know, there's pros and cons to it, I think, but it's really allowed us to, um, further our reach in some ways for, uh, getting access to providers that, um, you know, do not have a lot of contact or with Madison or some of the larger areas. Um, so that's been kind of a, a really great, um, unexpected thing that's happened in the past few years. Yeah, and even with our research collaborations, we have research collaborations over at the University of Michigan, Indiana, Duke. So we're our research is almost uh, countrywide too. Oh, you guys are doing a lot of great work. And so you could each tell me a little bit about why do you believe this work is important. So one of the reasons I think this work is important is substance use disorder is a chronic medical condition. And it deserves the same level of treatment as other chronic medical conditions, such as diabetes or hypertension. Um, I find it that some providers have a stigma or bias towards uh, patients with substance use disorder and do not view it as a chronic medical condition, which is something that we're really trying to change people's perspectives on. Um, another reason is I've known people with substance use disorder who struggled to find care when they're ready to seek treatment. And I'm hoping that through my work and the work with our research group that we're able to expand care to patients with substance use disorder. Great, great. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think what has kind of drawn me to this work is just that um, there's a lot of us that, that have a connection to um, use disorders or um, know someone that's been affected. And, you know, these, these things are very common. And I think that now being part of this team and seeing the ways in which, um, you know, providers and the medical field can really help people to improve their lives and, and kind of manage their use disorders. Um, it's been really amazing to see people that we've helped through uh, our trainings and education and providers um, across the state. So it, it's something I'm really passionate about and kind of makes you want to just go even farther and, and do more to, to help people. Awesome. And you had both mentioned that you frequently work within the primary care and family medicine setting. If you could speak a little bit about um, what are the advantages of treating people in these settings? 
I think there's numerous advantages to working in the primary care setting and treating substance use disorder. One of the main ones is if that patient has already been seeking care with you for a number of years, you probably already have a strong patient relationship with that person. And they're probably more open to having you treat their substance use disorder because they already have that connection built with you. And that's only going to further strengthen that provider-patient relationship. I think also on the other side, if the patient's coming to you for the first time for the treatment of substance use disorder, that's a really strong relationship to start um, building at that time because that patient's coming to you with something that is affecting all aspects of their lives. And then they're going to be more open to having you treat their other medical conditions that they might have as well. And I really see it as kind of a form of like stigma reduction in itself that, um, you know, this is a chronic health condition, like David, Dr. Lanewimber was saying, and that um, this can be treated, um, you know, in that special relationship you have with, with your doctor. Um, and that, you know, a lot of people have heard of like maybe a methadone clinic or, um, you know, specific like rehabs or, or things like that. But like a lot of people don't have access to that and it's not convenient for a lot of people in, in some ways. And so to help providers get more comfortable um, with this type of, of work and just being able to treat people like any other patient, like right in their clinics and right where people live and work and, you know, have their families um, has, has really been shown to be super effective and, and, and work well for, for a lot of different people. And so you know, I see it as really just incorporating another, um, you know, important type of, of medical care and, and, and self-care into, um, into pre-existing, um, you know, family, family medicine and primary care settings. Yeah, at that point too, I mean, being able to treat someone's opioid use disorder at the same time they're coming in for their diabetes is just so beneficial for the patient that they don't have to make two different stops during their day because we know everyone's busy, everyone's working, and being able to provide that care and at the same setting is very beneficial for the patient. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. Um, if you could speak a little bit too about what about those people or situations where emergency care might be needed? Um, how would you connect with those folks? So at UW, we've been reaching out to our ED department to help, or our emergency department to help providers get more comfortable with initiating um, things such as Suboxone or buprenorphine within the emergency care setting. Um, so that's one of the ways we're trying to reach out and have that care be able to be provided in emergency care settings and then helping providers at the emergency department know the resources within their area to help connect them to further care after they leave the emergency care setting. Yeah, the, the emergency care uh, and emergency departments is definitely something we're, we're looking on expanding, um, expanding towards, um, like, like you guys, like we've said that our focus is um, sort of the more uh, like long-term like care went through, um, through primary care, but it, there's definitely a huge need um, for more training, I think, and education in the, in the emergency space, because, you know, obviously people are going into the emergency room when there's a crisis and there's nowhere else to go. Um, but that's really an opportunity, I think, for um, for people to get started on medications for, for use disorders and to be connected with a provider that can be more long-term, um, as well as like peer recovery. So I know like there's um, Wisconsin Voices is doing work to to get more peer recovery and support in different communities and, and to meet people in the emergency rooms with 
uh, with a peer support specialist. Um, and so um, we're definitely trying to kind of expand our trainings into, into the, the emergency uh, department space and, and to kind of connect our work with um, what they're doing in like kind of the acute kind of crisis situation. But um, I think there's a lot of room for growth and, and opportunity there. Yeah, so primary care and emergency settings, that's great. And you had mentioned, um, you know, people coming in in an emergency. So let's talk a little bit about those emergencies. So overdoses and substance use, um, what have emergency departments been seeing with respect to overdoses? From my experience, it definitely has seen an uptick for a higher amount of overdoses that have been being seen over time. Most commonly, it has been due to fentanyl unknowingly being within the product that the person is using. Um, one of these things that we've been trying to do to help prevent these types of overdoses with fentanyl is just to keep letting patients know that always to have Narcan on them and to not use alone if possible, and to also use things such as fentanyl test strips, which are able to be found at different resources within the area, such as in the Madison area, you can get them through Vivent, but these test strips were able to test the product via a stimulant or opioid to see if there's any fentanyl within the product so that the patient knows maybe I should use a little bit smaller amount or take a tester dose before using. Another thing that has been having a kind of a national trend upwards of overdoses have been these unreversible cases where someone uses Narcan, assuming that the overdose is due to fentanyl, and then it's actually due to something called xylazine, which is a tranquilizer. This has been less common, but the big thing to know is if you're not able to overcome a suspected overdose with Narcan at that time is to start administering rescue breaths to the person who's, who's experiencing an overdose and to contact emergency services. So it sounds like it's important for providers to educate patients about these different options and, you know, what, what actions are necessary to help save a life, um, knowing that xylazine might be present and might not just be fentanyl. Is that correct? That is correct. And it's something that's fairly new. Um, and we have not been seeing as much in the Midwest. It's more prevalent along the East Coast. But uh, based on trends, it's likely to start to cross the country and become more prevalent here. Another thing I've been talking about to patients who use things such as stimulants, that stimulants too can now be contaminated with fentanyl. And I've seen overdoses um, in my practice with patients who have used crack cocaine and used by inhalation and actually have had overdoses due to fentanyl. It's important to test your to test your products and then just to know anyone who's using any type of substance right now should be prescribed Narcan and have Narcan on hand and to not use alone. And if you're going to use alone, there are hotlines you could call the never use alone hotline where someone will stay on the call confidentially and check in on you while you're using. And if you are to experience something such as an overdose and become unresponsive, they'll call emergency services for you. That's a great resource, a great resource. Do you have any information on what local providers might be seeing in their practices? Yeah, and if I could just jump in, Cindy, too, that um, I think like one one thing that's important to note with what Dr. Ellen Weber is saying and like kind of what we do at Protea is that, um, you know, a lot of what our doctors and providers talk about is, is harm reduction. And I think so people, you know, people shouldn't be afraid to, to seek care from a provider and think that 
you know, they're going to be judged or that, um, you know, kind of the, the, they would expect it to immediately have full like abstinence. Um, I think like the providers we work with are very like understanding and um, recognize that this is like a chronic issue and that people still um, use while in treatment in, in some different ways. And so like, there's always that harm reduction aspect. And, um, you know, from the cases that we talk about, there's like, it seems like a lot of people have a really strong relationship and, and honest rapport with, with their providers. And that, you know, it's all about just like helping them be safer and not necessarily, um, you know, like sort of demanding abstinence or demanding, um, you know, no use from, from their patients. Is that what you kind of what you, you feel like Dr. Lane Weber? Absolutely. I think meeting people where they're at and then showing that you do care about them. So if, even if they are continuing to use, but you're showing that you're compassionate and that you want them to use safely and that you care about their health is a really good first stepping stone. And that's just good medical care overall. That's great. And circling back. Um, so if you could speak, if you know, um, if you have a sense of what are local providers seeing in their practices um, with respect to this topic. I think in my experience, based on speaking with local providers, what we're seeing the majority of right now is overdoses related to uh, contamination with fentanyl or patients just unknowingly using a substance that they didn't realize was in the product, such as maybe the substance they thought they were using is a Percocet, but instead it has fentanyl and maybe even other substances such as benzodiazepines. So it's really the supply chain for products that patients use is almost an unknown right now for patients for the most part. Mm, important to know. And I think that's something that's really cool about what we, um, just really interesting about what we provide um, in our in our outreach work to providers is that like we give people the space and the capacity to discuss what they're seeing um, in their communities. And there's like a lot of information shared back and forth um, throughout the state. So providers can know what to look out for, know what's happening um, locally. And, you know, before they would hear it in other ways um, to really just like kind of share that information um, and, and the capacity and time and space to do so, I think is really interesting and um, really beneficial about, about our programs, because especially if you are in a rural area, um, you know, you might not have other providers you can talk to and converse with about, um, you know, current trends. And so I think that's um, so important, um, you know, to give people the opportunity to, to connect with other providers. And if you could remind, um, remind our listeners, um, which, what are those ways of connecting on a regular basis? Yeah, so um, there's lots of different ways, but um, so a lot of our, our work and our outreach is uh, geared towards um, medical providers, nurses, psychiatrists, um, doctors, uh, social workers, behavioral health people. Um, and so we have our monthly project ECHO, which is um, uh, for providers in there's some learning, but also case discussion. Um, we have a lunch and learn series that people can join um, over a lunch hour where um, there's also case discussion and, and we're trying to reach rural providers that way. We have our hotline um, that is open Monday through Friday, um, you know, kind of normal business hours where people that are um, in need of immediate 
assistance, working with patients with substance use disorders and have a question can call and get a response in, in about 15 minutes. And we also do larger, you know, longer trainings um, related to opioid use disorders. Um, and those are substance use disorders management boot camps. Um, and we are developing a, a, a training that will kind of trainings that will replace um, what people used to call the old waiver, um, X waiver, um, where, where providers used to have an, uh, have to have a waiver to prescribe buprenorphine um, and, and other medications like that, but um, that's being updated. So lots of different opportunities can, to connect. And if you go to our website, you can uh, see a bunch of different uh, opportunities. Great. Thank you for re restating that. I'd like to shift gears a little bit now and talk about uh, peer support. Um, so if you could speak to how do doctors and providers interact with peer support, um, such as certified peer specialists and recovery coaches? So I've had the fortunate opportunity to actually work with peer support in the primary care setting, in the setting of treatment of substance use disorder. And it's worked really great. It was fantastic to have a peer support within the clinic, which is a little bit of an unusual but becoming more common place thing to have. So one of the benefits of having peer support within the clinic is I was able to introduce that patient who's coming in for treatment of their substance use to the peer recovery coach that day if they were interested in meeting with them. So they're able to have that face-to-face -face connection that day. One of the other benefits of having a peer recovery coach on site was that they're able to do things that I'm not able to do. So they're able to meet with the patient within the community, able to receive calls in the evening regarding um, times when the patient might be in crisis and need someone to talk to. And they're able to have that connection already established while they were in the clinic and able to then feel more comfortable to make those calls at a later time. So I think it's just Super important that this becomes more commonplace within the primary care setting, and hopefully that more funding becomes available to make this happen. Sounds like an important connection piece there. It definitely is. And I would say um, when we host trainings and, and hear from people that providers are really interested in this like peer support and peer recovery opportunities that they're seeing, they want to know, they want to learn more about it. Um, and they really, um, they're interested in, in, in doing it more and in connecting more with peer support and peer recovery. I think sometimes maybe there's been a stigma from providers in the past, like, you know, how can they do it all for, um, you know, maybe sometimes uh, substance use disorder patients have really complex um, cases and issues. And I think there's maybe a stigma there that, um, that it's going to be too much for a provider. And so there, I think a lot of them are very interested in, in, connecting with peer support and, and working closely with peer recovery. And so not, you know, not um, worried about stepping on any toes or anything. They're, they're excited for more help. That's great. That's great that the interest is there. Um, how can providers and peer specialists or recovery coaches work together to help people looking for support? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways. And um, just kind of from our perspective with Protea, it's really important to, to us to have the voice of, of peer support and peer recovery um, at our, our trainings and our conferences. And so kind of hearing that firsthand um, perspective has been really invaluable for people. We like to, um, like on our ECHO um, panel, we have um, a peer support specialist 
we had a panel discussion at our, our boot camp conference um, where people talked about how we can work together more with providers. But um, you know, I think it it just depends on on the setting and and what resources are in a community. You know, some providers have a lot of of opportunity to interact with peer support. Like Dr. Lineweber said, um, having a, a specialist right there in the um, primary care clinic is amazing and, and such an awesome resource. But for providers that um, do not have that yet in their communities. Um, what we do is we try to connect them with like the community resource um, and how they can um, like work with maybe their local health department or local community organization, local emergency department to try to um, bring more peer support and peer recovery to, to their areas. And that's something that, that we're um, trying to do, you know, help with our um, outreach and our work as well. Yeah, I think always having more insight and more people on your team is always beneficial. Um, I definitely have not felt when I have worked with peer support in the clinical setting that, you know, they're taking too much time or were obstructing the visit in any way. And they were just very, it's very beneficial to have someone who has had that lived experience and able to share that with the patient because that's a deep connection that they've already have because they both have had this lived experience that they're able to um, connect with which I, I'm not able to, but by having that person on my team, they have more trust within your team um, at future visits and that visit in itself. That's great. So it sounds like that um, providers and peer specialists um, are complementary to each other um, and strengthen the team, strengthen the care for the patient. Absolutely. For sure. I was wondering, what are we hearing and seeing from providers um, that you connect with through your programs? I think we're seeing a lot more interest, um, especially with the waiving of the X waiver. Um, a lot of providers are feeling like maybe this is the time to start learning more about substance use treatments and be able to offer that within their primary care setting. So I'm seeing a lot more interest peaked uh, because of this. So hopefully we're able to expand that type of care throughout the state. That's great. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And um, I would say, you know, people that really just want this, want to hear from um, the experts on our team and really kind of use that knowledge to um, put into practice, like kind of what they're already seeing with their patients. Um, you know, use disorders are so common. And so, uh, like Dr. Langweber said, um, just a lot of interest there and in, in learning how to treat those patients in a, in a better and more effective way. Um, and I would say too, just, um, you know, there's been so much coverage of like the opioid crisis and um, overdose uh, crisis that, that have happened in recent times. And so um, I think there's a lot less stigma these days about um, treating patients with um, medications for opioid use disorders, you know, and that's becoming more, um, more common and shown to be evidence-based best practice. Um, and so I think there's even less of a stigma with providers and, and maybe even in the recovery community um, that this is something that is very beneficial and helpful to people. I think even when I started, there used to be a lot more talk of, you know, people trying to get off of maybe a buprenorphine or a methadone or, or, you know, how long people would be on that, but just kind of recognizing that this is, um, you know, a, a very helpful way to treat a use disorder, just like you would treat any other disease or, or chronic condition. I agree. And 
let's talk a little bit about stigma now. Um, so stigma can sometimes be a concern for people reaching out for help to healthcare systems. What are your views on stigma in the healthcare system and how it can be eliminated? I think stigma is unfortunately still definitely present within the healthcare system. I think part of our team goals is just to reach out to providers and try to uh, reduce the stigma that they have for patients with substance use disorder. And I think one of the best ways to actually lower stigma of substance use disorder is just to start treating patients with substance use disorder. I think once you start treating patients, learning about their stories, seeing where they're coming from, and then treating them and seeing the turnaround that patients have once they start receiving treatment is one of the best ways to reduce stigma. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think there used to be a real lack of like education um, when, when in, in medical schools and in, in nursing programs um, about use disorders. And so like uh, maybe some of that stigma really came from, you know, just lack of knowledge and lack of, of training in this area. Um, and that's improving, you know, there's more focus on that um, in, in our med medical education system. Um, and through Protea and, and Dr. Dr. Brown is even um, involved in um, training residents at University of Wisconsin um, to treat patients. And so, yeah, I mean, I think just overall how we talk about our patients and talk about cases and talk to our um and talk to patients. Um, you know, we try to use really non-stigmatizing language and, and person-centered language. And I think even the providers we work with um, are not afraid to maybe like correct some some of their colleagues that that are still using some like outdated terminologies that 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 contribute to stigma. And you know, but what we talk about a lot of times, like I don't think that's really coming a lot of times not from a place of malice um, from from providers, but just that they they don't know. And there didn't used to be kind of this focus um, on this issue, even though there was, has always been a great need. Um, and so I think that like, just kind of like how we talk about this type of work and, and the enthusiasm that we bring um, for, for addiction medicine um, through Dr. Langweber and, and, and Dr. Brown and all our different team um, is really um, exciting for people and to show that this is like kind of a really, um, interesting and rewarding path to take in, in, in medicine, um, where you can see like huge improvement with patients is, is really rewarding and, um, really interesting work. Yeah. I like how you brought up the, the importance of language, um, and changing that stigmatizing language that can have a really big impact. Um, so I think that's important for, for people to, to be aware of that, um, the impact of stigmatizing language. And you had mentioned the, the education related to, to that is also really important. So that's, that's really great. Um, what would you say to someone in recovery or who is ready to seek treatment, but is hesitant because of prior bad experiences with the healthcare system? I always tell patients that you need to find a provider that fits you. And if you have a bad experience with a provider, that means that's a very unfortunate and that shouldn't happen. But then just switch providers. Find someone that, that you connect with and that you're able to have a good provider-patient relationship with. Yeah, that's really important. And, and that just shows that, you know, one provider, you, there might be a negative um, stigmatizing situation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's all providers. And so finding that person that um, is, is the best provider connection for you would be important. Yeah. And, you know, that's definitely unfortunate when people have, you know, bad experiences in, in the medical setting. 
um, with that, but, you know, even to just try to like through this podcast to try to remind people that like, you know, we are doing more education and more training. And so people are learning and more and understanding about, about these conditions. And so that, you know, there can, there, there is change happening and there, there, there are improvements I think happening every day and to try to just be part of that improvement is, is, is helpful. That's great. And that's reassuring, you know, that that change is happening in a positive direction. And on the topic of change, um, there have been some recent changes in the law regarding access to treatment. Um, what do community members need to know about these that will make it easier to get treatment? I think one of the ways that treatment is going to be expanded is through the elimination of the X waiver, which was a special license you had to have on top of your DEA, which is another license you have to be able to uh, prescribe controlled substances. So by eliminating this additional training to be able to prescribe things specifically such as Suboxone or buprenorphine, the care is going to be hopefully increased by this change in regulations. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure people um, in the community have known someone or maybe personally experienced that like um, kind of like Dr. Landwood was saying that when they were ready to get care and seek treatment, that it might've been really hard to find a doctor or to be able to get into someone that, that had openings. Um, that must be so frustrating and, and really what we're trying to work um, to change and to get like more providers um, to be able to help people with use disorders. But um, yeah, just that, <laughs> um, that it can be very um, daunting and trying to like figure out where to start, but um, there's resources out there through Wisconsin Voices and, and through our website and even through like the, the national SAMHSA hotline. Um, so we're actively working to try to develop um, a better you know network of providers so that nobody has to experience that again of, of not being able to, to find care. That is such an important change. And, and I'm so happy to hear that that change has happened um, to just increase availability for that. Absolutely. So just going to wrap up a little bit here. Um, do either of you have anything else to add that you would want to um, want our, our viewers or listeners to, to know about, about uh, your programs or your work? Yeah, I just think that um, overall, you know, we, us on Prateo, we love to connect um, with people that are interested in, in recovery and supporting recovery um, or that are in recovery. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, there's different opportunities to be involved. You know, one way um, we're always looking for study participants in, in our research side of things um, where we're having a lot of um, amazing outcomes with, with people that are um, kind of on this cutting edge of, of research and, and medication to treat use disorders. Um, and that just, um, I mean, to the recovery community, we really want to connect and, um, and work together to help people and, and improve people's lives throughout Wisconsin. Great, great. And anything more from you, Dr. Lineweber? No, I think uh, Kathleen summarized um, everything very succinctly and well. So thank you. Great. And thank you both. Um, if people have questions, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, I would say um, our website is a great spot where we are working to um, uh, get kind of more of our information up. Uh, but that is famed.wisc.edu um, backslash Protea. And so that's F-A-M-M-E-D dot W-I-S-C dot E-D-U and then Protea, P-R-O-T-E-A. Anything else that I'm forgetting, Dr. Langweber? No, 
I think that would be the best way to get in contact with us. Great, thank you both. So again, that website is famed.west.edu, Protea. So that's HTTPS colon uh, slash slash www.famed.wisc.edu slash P-R-O-T-E-A slash. Um, and I will have that a link in the description as well. Again, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Len Weber and Kathleen for, for coming. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in and uh, have a great day, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us.